0: Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Ian Taylor and today I'm joined by Club Ambassador Andy Sinton and Andy Watkins from the QBR Media team. If there was a period that summed up how our season has been, then surely it's been the last couple of weeks. A 4-1 win over Norwich was followed by a heavy defeat at Hull and then a stunning start against Sheffield saw us race into a 3-0 lead after just 15 minutes before eventually running out 4-2 winners. And then, in typical QPR style, we were brought back down to earth with a bump on Saturday with a 2-1 home loss against Preston. Here to help us dissect it all is lifelong Rs fan and first-team coach, Mark Bertram. Chaps, thanks for joining us on the Loftcast. I guess, as I said in the intro there, if ever a period of games summed up what QPR's season has been like to date, that was probably it. 4-1 win against Norwich and then go and lose 4-0 4-0 at Hull I've said it many times in my time at QPR the unpredictable
1: nature of the championship that was it right there it's a crazy division um, it's a tough division it's an unforgiving division and games like or that week just showed you if you're not bang at it you'll come unstuck I was speaking to Colin Calder at <coughs> the uh, EFL dinner the other night and he was talking about Villa beat Wolves 4-1 battered them then Put in what he called a, a really poor performance against us. Yeah, we battered them because we battered them. So yeah. uh, that's that's the nature uh, and you're right. That probably sums us up because during the season there has been lots of very good stuff. Lots of very good stuff on the flip side of that. Some poor ones where we've let ourselves down a
0: little bit. We'll be speaking to Mark Bertram shortly about that. Just looking back then um, at, at the uh, whole game. Um, like we say, an afternoon to forget. And it all started so well, didn't it? We met the fans beforehand and we rewarded them for travelling up with a with a free QPR shirt, which is something we've done over the last couple of seasons now, which is obviously a really nice touch. But once the action got underway, Andy, those two goals, there was really nothing in it um, for the opening half an hour or so. And then just before they scored, the Tigers had a spell um, of, of pressure and then Harry Wilson opens the scoring and then obviously on the stroke half-time, Alex Smith is a little bit unlucky. The ball bounces off the, the woodwork, off his back and, and into the goal and that really not the stuffing out of us.
2: Yeah, it's a strange one. I think I think we talked about Hull before. Um, obviously, they've sort of been struggling for most of the season and it seemed like something like that was going to change the, the course of the game and obviously it did, those two goals just before the break. Um, and yeah, like you said, going into the game, we were quietly confident of, of getting something... Um, it kind of was a bit like deja vu I remember when we went to forest earlier in the season on a pretty good run and our infamous record at, at the uh, city ground thinking do you know what this season this might could be the it. one and then that ended up in a in a four nil defeat as well but it's just one of those things that yeah it didn't didn't happen at Hull. and um yeah like you say, those two goals um right before half time i don't know you know it's just it's been a frustrating one certainly in the last couple of months yeah, the goals that we've conceded mm just before half-time, obviously it happened again yeah, at the it's weekend. it's interesting
0: though, isn't it? Because we are conceding a lot of goals just before half-time, but on the flip side, we're scoring a lot of goals late on in second mm. half of the games, which is something that obviously we need to we need to address. That second half, um, we started okay in the second half. He brought Siller on, didn't he? He openly admitted the manager that he got it wrong by playing easy on his own up top. But then really, the, you know, two goals just after the hour mark, Andy pretty much wrapped it up, and then obviously Nedham saw red quite late on, and that was the final nail in the coffin, so
1: to speak. Yeah, it was just a disappointing afternoon all, all round. You know, we you're right, we had the sort of 10, 12-minute spell just after the break where I think you get one back, anything can happen, but yeah. it wasn't to be.
0: Because it was a weird old atmosphere again. <laughs> they were they were 2-0 up and they're calling uh, for the chairman's head. And I actually
1: thought it was a bit flat as well. It was <laughs> They were saying they weren't safe, but I thought they were really. Um, the home record in recent times have been decent. They've just gone and got a cu- couple of away points and. Remember being on commentary and looking at Nick in the in the first half until the goal went in. It was really nothing to really talk about. Certainly yeah. nothing to get excited about. Very but, quiet but yeah, poor game, uh, poor performance. Never got going, and obviously compounded in the last minute when Nedum gets involved in something when I personally don't think he needed to. You know that's probably just frustration of yep. the afternoon. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, unfortunately pays the ultimate price of missing three games.
0: What I would say, and you, know, you can't defend what Nedham did and uh, he was rightfully showing a red card, but it is nice to see that all-for-one, one-for-all mentality that if someone kicks one of their teammates, they will... OK, he lost his head slightly. I guess you would say a little bit of the red miss running 25 yards to push an opponent, but it does show
1: that they're sticking by each other when when the chips are down. Well there is a togetherness. I think that's evident and if you look at some of the times where we've made comebacks late on that shows you that there's a real togetherness, there's a never say die, they look after each other um on the pitch. As I say probably on that one Nathan frustration just got the better of him. Very and nice. And he walks. Sheffield
0: Wednesday then wasn't it a few days later and um you were probably quite busy on the old uh, social media in that opening yeah. quarter of an hour. 3 goals in eight minutes i certainly in, in all my time here, i don't recall rangers scoring that many goals in such a short space of time you, you know you've had games where you have scored two in the last couple of minutes you had a brentford yeah. game earlier in this yeah. season i remember the famous game at derby when we scored two really late on but three in eight minutes after
2: quarter of an hour
0: we were very clinical to say the least yeah
2: um like you said and especially this season it seems to i think uh, especially at loftus road it seems to all the action tends to be in the in the second half. Um, but yeah, like you're saying at Sheffield Wednesday, the the first one went in and then we're just sort of catching our breath from that and the second one goes in and then you're, just catching you're not even catching your breath and the third one's in and you're thinking, what's going on here? Um, it was weird,
0: wasn't it? Because it was a bit, effectively, it was a, a complete dead rubber game. Both teams were saved, nothing to play for. And sometimes they go either way, those games. Sometimes they're either free-flowing end-to-end like this one, or they can be you know, really drab, dull affairs.
1: I think the good thing for us was, uh, you know, we, we, we've spoke about the whole game. Yeah. I'm sure that hurt everyone. Yeah. Uh, got that out of the system, but didn't out. And you're looking for... Sometimes it's good when you play midweek, you can get that one out of the way very quickly. So you're looking for a positive response, you're looking for a positive reaction. Did we get that in the first 50 minutes? It was great. We just blew Sheffield Wednesday away. Talk
0: us through that first goal then and the technique of Paul Smith, because that's not an easy... Easy ball to control, firstly, but then to to deliver the finish in the way he did. He, it, was, it was like a, a striker that had played 20 seasons in the top flight. The way he just put it, that one in the it's back. It's a game. brilliant
1: finish, and it's, a, it's it's quite a tough skill because the keeper comes and flaps out it a little was bit. of best like player him. for the first couple <laughs> <of> <laughs> now, <hasn't> he? <laughs> So he flaps out, it. Comes to Paul Smith, and he it comes to him quite quick. His first touch with his left foot, but his first touch sets it right in the middle of his body. So he's he's almost got to manufacture something. Mm. So he's, he's cut across the ball, hoping to get a little bit of, a little bit of fade on him, if you like, and uh, perfection, great finish.
0: And then after that, Jake Bidwell really came into his own. He's, he's had a good couple of weeks now, um, probably since he's returned to his regular left-back slot. He's, he's been a 7-8 out of 10 every week, a really consistent performer. And after probably his initial shot was quite weak, and you expect Wildsmith to, to at least hold that or at least turn it around the post. But he palms it out, and then he's there to, to make it
1: too. Jake's been, for me, really, really good in the last sort of six or seven weeks. You know, he's got forward really well. He's put in cross after cross after cross, scored up at Villa. Crosses uh, into great
0: areas as well. Yeah,
1: uh, scored against Villa, as we as, w- as we said, and gets forward early in the game the other day. Hits his first shot, keeper spills it. Importantly for me, even though he spills it, Silla's right there. He's almost forced the secondary area, if you like, forced yeah. the Jake, and he, he calmly slots it into the bottom corner
0: left back with a calm finish and then it was three wasn't it Andy on 15 minutes and whilst um, Silla took the plaudits it owed a great deal to a superb hanging cross to the far stick from Darnell
2: Furlong yeah, I mean similar to, to Jake, I think especially the second half of the season, we've seen the, the fullbacks really push on and show what they can do attacking wise and and Darnell um did the same. You yeah, as you say, a perfect cross and Silla couldn't really miss, you know, his usual sort of two yard finish, but yeah. makes it look easy. Um but no great to see I mean just a, a word on Darnell, great to see him getting a run in the first team and showing that you know, he's sort of made that right back spot his own now, which, you know, he's sort of been threatening to do in the last couple of years, so really pleased for him.
0: Yeah, really encouraging that, that Darnell's, um, especially in the second half of the season, is really taken it by the scruff of the neck. Um, and then the third, uh, sorry, the fourth, I'm getting carried away myself now, the fourth, uh, Bright Asai Samuel, he, he won the penalty, didn't he? And had a good game, actually, And he's probably, I think, only his third or fourth start for QPR, but um, he really impressed, he won that penalty and then Silla with the most casual penalty <laughs> you're ever <laughs> likely to see. Uh, we could have done with that at Red in a few weeks earlier. Um, slotted it home and made it four.
1: Well, first of all, pleased for Bright. You know, he's had a bad time. Young kid, making a big, big step up. Don't underestimate the, the step up in levels that yeah. he's, he's having to encounter. But, you know, he's, he's...
0: You're a winger, or you were a winger. What do you see in, in his game that infuses you?
1: Uh, pace, directness. Um, still needs to learn the game or certain aspects of the game, but. Don't we all? Don't matter if you're 19, 20 or 29, you're still learning the game. Yeah. Looks like he wants to, to learn and improve, so he will. Um, and he just needs to get a run of games and he would be better forward. So uh, pleased for him, got the penalty. Silla was, interestingly, as it was awarded, who was going to take it. Yeah. Uh, I noticed Jake stayed right back on the halfway line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Silla stepped up. He has a little sort of look. Lets the keeper make his move first, and just calmly it. strokes. And uh, but again, we talk about the team. You know, to the man, the team sort of other than the goalkeeper, the team celebrated with yeah. him. So uh, did a little dance, didn't yeah. they? Please,
0: please did a dance like that during your playing <laughs> I can't dance. Tell, so <laughs> I, I saw you uh, Sunday night at the AFL awards. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wednesday pulled two back, didn't they? Um, in the final 20 minutes or so. But even at four-two, where it could have gone a little bit edgy, you didn't really sense there was much edginess maybe a little bit in the crowd, um, but on the pitch for the last quarter of an hour, 20 minutes or so, it was pretty routine. Yeah, I think we saw the game. They're
1: quite Routine stuff. Comfortable. Like at 4-2, there's always a little worry and a little, but I, th- I think they regrouped quite quickly and shut the back door, basically, and, uh, as I say, ran out comfortable winners. It was a great win.
0: Just looking back then, Andy, uh, again at that Sheffield Wednesday game, and whilst it was a, a great night, on the pitch for QPR, running out, deserved 4-2 winners. It was also a great night in terms of paying a tribute to a great man in Ray Wilkins.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it was fitting tribute to what we did. I was so proud of my club on the night, Uh, so proud of what we did on and off the pitch. Fans were magnificent. Credit Sheffield Wednesday fans as well for the respect they showed, you know, but um, but say, wonderful man. Um, Harley document what everyone thinks about him, you know, um, be sorely missed by a lot of people. And uh, I say, I thought the club did him proud.
0: I think we sh- we would all agree that y- your speech was absolutely outstanding at halftime. How, I know you were, you were really close to Ray, I know there's family links as well with you and the Wilkins family. How, how tough was that for you to not just, not just go through on the pitch, but the last couple of weeks, because ever since, you know, we were made aware of Ray having a cardiac arrest, it, it's really affected you personally.
1: Yeah, it's been a tough uh, couple of weeks. The toughest probably was when you told me at seven o'clock on the Saturday morning after the, uh, was it after the Reading game? Yeah. That he had um, gone into the hospital. That really, really hit me hard. Uh, Cause following that I was probably expecting the worst. Because
0: ironically, you would, you would, you'd been speaking to him twenty four forty eight hours before, and you were due to play golf with him yeah. on the well, Thursday. Ray's a
1: huge supporter of the Forever a uh, huge supporter of our Golf Day. Very generous in what he does and what he what he offers for the day, and you know to to enhance the former player sort of thing. So uh, so yeah, we had a we had something lined up, which ironically we were due to play a four ball that he had donated the day after he's passing. Um, So that was quite hard as well because I remember the next day at 10.32 standing there thinking I should have been on the team with my mate Um, but you know uh, thoughts and prayers of everyone at the football club, world of football, still with his family Um, but as I say on the night I thought we as a club I couldn't have been any proud of what we did
0: And it was also great um, because Simon Stainrod was back, (laughs) I know that's one that me and you have been trying to get back for a long while, sometimes the fans don't Recognise how difficult it is to get players back. Simon's actually living in Dubai full-time. He had a great tan, didn't he? (laughs) Looked a
1: million dollars and uh, got a great reception as well. Well, Simon, uh, you know, he's really fondly remembered a and quite rightly so. Hell of a player. What a show of pride. Played in that sort of swagger, entertainer role, you know, befitting the marshes and the the stand Bowls, you know, legends at the club. Simon uh, got a fantastic email a couple of days after about what an honor it was to be part of the Forever Hours, what an honor it was to be back at the club, uh, thanking the fans, very complimentary about the fans. Um, and one of the things he uh, he actually said was he was just pleased he could live up to carrying number 10 shirt because that carries big weight at QPR. But uh, no, it was wonderful to see him. Um, <coughs> excuse me, it is... Tough to get players back sometimes when they're overseas. We have a list, as long as you are, of people that live overseas. But um, Simon was back with his wife and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Got a great reception and hopefully we we'll won't see him again.
0: Just while we're touching on Forever ours and
1: again, there's been this debate again on social media
0: in the last few days about um, some of the inductees and what the Forever ours stands for. We, you know, we've been pretty clear from day one to say that it's not a Hall of Fame, um, and I think it's probably worth now you just reiterating what the Forever ours means.
1: Well, that's what it's, what it's not. It's not a Hall of Fame. Uh, and that's the best way to answer it. When we sat down and we talked about um, getting a lot of former players back, there's a hell of a lot of football. There's a hell of a lot of players have served the club well. Might not get in your best 11. Might not be just one per season that you would invite back, but... Certainly worthy of coming back, spending a day with us.
0: It's re-engaging them, isn't it? In, the, in not just the football club, but the community as well, which yeah. is so important.
1: Feeling appreciated for what they did because QPR, I'm told, when I wasn't here, not because I'm back, but uh, long before, lost, role, lost its way uh, a little bit or a lot. And you only have to speak to some of the former players who come back. We get some great letters. I think I shared one at the um, the evening with uh, from Ernie Howe. Mm. Now Ernie, I'm not, uh, talking out of turn, Ernie wouldn't probably get in QPR's Hall of Fame or Best Eleven mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But what being invited back to QPR did for Ernie yeah. and people well, of that, for that ilk... For some people of that ilk, it's life-changing. It really is. And isn't. you know what, what people don't sometimes realise or understand, and I don't until I start talking to the players. Some of these players have gone through really tough times. And that
0: you look at Ian Gle- Ian Gillard, uh, who's the president now of, of the Forever Arse Club, is a classic example. He was you know, hugely against the, the way that QPR were conducting themselves in terms of looking after former players. And now he sees that there is now that work and there's the building blocks are in place that this can create a legacy going forward
1: for former QPR yeah, players. Yeah, Gilly, Gilly's a prime example. You know, it's uh, his words are not mine. It's given you a lease of life just by being involved on a, you know, not every game because no. he's got other but things going on. Basis. comes uh, regular. Uh, he's signing autographs. He's talking. People are asking for photos. So all of a sudden that just makes him and others feel good about themselves feel what they did at the club over a, a period of time was uh, worthy and appreciated and we'll keep doing it so yeah you know it's not say it one more time it's not a hall of fame <coughs> qpr a few years ago got criticized for trying to be an elitist club which we're not and forever ours is the complete opposite where we we celebrate the good the great and people who have served the club really really well <laughs>
0: Preston, then. Um, don't really want to dwell on this one too much, so we won't, but we're going to hear from Mark Birch and I'm sure we'll dissect it a little bit more for us. But five more changes, weren't there? Um, and I'm sure we'll ask Birch about that. But the game itself, Andy, was scrappy. It was it was itty bitty. There wasn't much quality on show early on, but there was another goal for Matt Smith early on.
1: Yeah, I thought we started quite well. The first 25 minutes, it was nip and tuck. Not a great deal of goal-meth action. Neither keeper forced into. A number of saves, but, you know, we've got all our noses in front. Fantastic ball in from the second attempt second from, attempt from Ryan. Ryan Manor. How
0: difficult was that? Oh. Because it was on the volley, wasn't it? He called it on the volley. and then It's an
1: unbelievable skill to get it back into that area the way he did. Yeah. Um, takes some doing. Um, puts it in area. Matt Smith's on the move. Yeah, um, Prods at home. So we go 1-0 up inside the first 15 again. So you're thinking, yeah, we've got that great start again let's build on but it seemed to, after about the half-hour mark for me just fall away a little bit and conceding just before half-time first of all I thought it was a poor goal we, you know we, we switched off we got overloaded down one side once they're in behind you they, you're in trouble yeah and they're a um, good side let's not forget and they're a good side Alex Neil's done a great job well not just him the club since they've gone up you know um, what they've done where they've finished still with an outside chance I think I said three or four times they had to win the game to give themselves any chance yeah um knocking on the door of the place and in the so second it. half they were the they were the team that were likely to to get the get the nose in front and once we once they did we saw a side yeah. of them that you know almost killed the game to yeah, the degree but, i mean
0: i've never played at a, a level of any sort really but i know you you obviously haven't the those the, the seeing out of the game and the i don't is it is it gamesmanship i don't know, but however you get over the line, you get over the line, and they showed that and we we weren 't really peppering them as such, but we had a lot of the ball but they kept going down, and there were there was a lot of time wasting and yeah. there was uh it was a warm day, and there was probably drinks breaks when you would normally not need a drinks break, but they did everything to kill the game, but boy, did it work for them they did it effectively yeah, I thought
1: there was you know you yeah. You don't like to see it as a if you're watching as a neutral or certainly as a QPR fan, but you would like to think we would probably do the same. or know how to do the same. Game management, you know, going down, taking ages with this, a uh, little drinks break, you know, goalkeeper swapping sides from left to right when he was taking a yeah. you know a dead ball or a all of that. They 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 came to do a job. Did it with about 15 minutes to go and made the last 15 minutes really, really messy. Not helped by the referee, I may add, but I'll say the referee had no part of playing us, not winning the game. Yeah. I thought some of his decisions were bizarre.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a, a disappointing afternoon, Andy, uh, in general, looking back. But again, it, it, I guess it's a sign of where QBR are as a club that, again, the fans stuck by the team and, and, and we're all still in their seats at full-time and, and gave the lads a, a, a good sending off after what was a, you know, ultimately another defeat.
2: Yeah, I think they've seen enough sort of comebacks from, from this team this season, certainly late on at home, um, that it wasn't out of the question on um, on Saturday against Preston. It was just, yeah, it was just ended up just being frustrating, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. As Sandy said, the ref made a few um, questionable decisions, shall we say. I think the one on a Ibirae springs to mind um and it just yeah i mean it it didn't it didn't i guess impact the result in terms of it wasn't it wasn't sort of clear-cut penalties and things, but it just broke up the game and as you said preston were very good in winding down the clock and just we never really kind of got a chance to put any pressure on them which we've managed to do in quite a few games and you know as we've seen when we do get a goal or you know sort of fulham away or obviously brentford which was Mm. Um, slightly ridiculous in the last couple of minutes. But, you know, we have got that in us. But, yeah, as we sort of said, Preston just never really gave us a chance to do that. But, yeah, no, the fans could certainly see it wasn't through the lack, of, the lack of effort. It just wasn't meant to be on that day. Birch, thanks for joining us. Um,
0: we're sitting here, aren't we, um, ahead of the game against Brentford this weekend. 53 points on the board. Last season, we finished with 53 the season before we ended with 60 given the transition that we're going through reduced wages signing young players developing young players bringing academy kids through does that total at this
3: stage of the season represent a good return yeah yeah definitely i think uh position in the league is very respectable for us i think 15th uh what we've, uh, we've slashed wages the average age of the team has gone right down average age of the squad has gone right down to to what we had before and uh, a lot of the games especially Saturday it, it was typical of us really and what we've been through the last month some great results a bad performance at whole mm. and then it was that's the sort of game that we can we can review and look back on where next year we got to get a minimum draw out that game, and I think that'll come with the experience of the young players. Where you look at Preston, they've got some younger players, but they've got 60, 70 games under yeah. their belt, and if we can do that with our young lads and teach them out if we can not let that goal in before half-time, we get to half-time, 1-0 at home, and then you can look to yep. minimum get a draw out of it. Because it, it was a very even game. You look at it, when we one nil up could go either way, but yep. they seem to have the know-how to turn turn that into a win. And so basically,
0: I guess what you're saying there is that, owing to the changes that are, are listed there, those results may well happen.
3: Yeah, you're, you're going to get that. You look at the, we lost a whole 4-0, and then we turn around and... Uh, we beat Sheffield Wednesday and then yeah. in the same same month we beat Norwich 4-1. Yeah. Teams with really good squad, really good players. and But that's what you're going to get with players that have played less than 50 league games. Yeah. You're going to get some indifferences. You, you see, look at Bright. Bright was fantastic against Sheffield Wednesday and then probably not, didn't play as well uh, against Preston, Preston. and a yeah, Abiré when you, when you got especially with the attacking players like since Mike roll his eyes at me but uh, you, you used to call them typical wingers where they'd have one good game in three not Andrew <laughs> Sinton because <laughs> Andrew Sinton was much Cheers, better bitch. than that <laughs> but, but the, b- back then a winger was expected to have probably won and that would be an outstanding game and then they'd yeah. have like two two or three off the ball and then they'd have an outstanding one you'll get that with young attacking players
0: and you talk about young players and the average age of the starting eleven when you look back and Kudos to Paul Morrissey, who's done his research here for us. Uh, First game of the 2015-16 season, the average age was 30. First game of the 2016-17 season, the average age was 26. In our last fixture against Preston, so going back a few days, 24.1, so just over 24, and that really says everything about the direction in which the club's heading now.
3: Yeah, definitely, and that's the the average age of this squad, Not not including, that's taken away experience. Like you yeah. that's not got experience that's not got league appearances under so our young lads uh 19 20. Yeah. but i would say as they say in, in dog years in in football years they are they're 17 18 because yeah. they've not got their games under the belt you look at other uh, teams with players round about average 19, 2021 20, And if you got them league appearances, you can't be, you look at the teams that we've had here before that were so experienced under Harry, there'd be a lot of games, very similar to Saturday mm. where it could go either way, but the experienced players that we had in the team would know how to grind out a result and mm. something a bit special happens. Speci- and the team that we got promoted with with Neil Walnut, there'd be yep. so many games that season where it could go either way. And the experienced players would know how to win it or Adele would come up with a bit of magic. Yep. We end up turning that draw into a win or a loss into a draw. And I think that's what you get, of experienced players, with, with young players, you get youthfulness, you get hard work, you get you get excitement, but you don't always get the consistency. You need that makes you Yeah, need and that, I think that, I think, right. and I've got to say, I think the fans have been brilliant. I think they've realised even Saturday at, at the game we lost 2-1 at home, we've gone one <coughs> new up, and this, they're there clapping us off. And yeah. I I think they're realising what the club are, is doing, the direction we're going in, and and they've been really really supportive.
0: Do you sense that as well, since because? over at the start of the season there there were murmurs weren't there and a bit of discontent but certainly over the last few weeks that dynamic and the way that the fans are responding to what birch and ollie and co are doing i'll
1: back birch up there you know or or second what he's saying i think the fans have been brilliant they do or the majority recognize what's happening they recognize um you know the youngsters coming through uh the exciting times that could lie ahead with the the inconsistency, the inexperience, I'll just chuck that back at Bert, you know, we've, we've said all that, but how exciting is that, Mark, to, to be working with those youngsters on the training ground every day, see them develop, see them getting their chance, and on any given day really perform well? Yeah, it is, and it's exciting
3: as a coach, because there's two parts of our job that we've got, it's one is to coach a team to win, and two is to try and make the players better, mm. and it, it's hard to make players that much better when they're, over the age of 27, 28. Yeah, Your kids are far more receptive. Yeah, they aren't are. they're yeah. like, and, and they are like sponges. The yeah. ones we've got in as well we have not had massive league experiences, so they're, they're looking, they're sponges, they're looking at taking information, and it's really exciting and enjoyable there. As we said, we've got a. And then the main part of the job is winning games. So now we've got to get them up to speed and get them get him in. Just like Preston done like little things in the game, slowing, it, a slowing co- it right down. From as soon a coaching as
1: point of view, is that the hardest part to get that? Because uh, you can only get it by playing, can't you? Yeah, you can uh, get it by learning playing. Learning how the, to win games, learning situations, learning key times of the but game. But you can
3: do them scenarios in training. So when you do small-sided games or you do any sort of football-related game practices, you can, it, yeah. you condition it to... to it's important to win games and where, where they're coming through academies now and it, it's not important about winning winning's not the main thing where right. uh, now it f- flips on its head where you're in the, in the professional jobs are on the line and it's all about winning
0: what, what do you say to these youngsters then because it's blue and white bleeding through you isn't there? mean, um, you look at Smith Easy Furlong Manning more recently Bright Side Samuel what are you? Are you telling these young lads about the DNA of QPR? Is that something you continue to draw in them? The importance, the values?
3: Yeah, all the time, all the time. We're we're, we're trying to, uh, and going back to how the club is, the direction it's going in, and the process we've gone through. It's it has been hard. It's it, just little things like with the badge changing back to to what it was, and getting the Forever's Arts Club, and get really before the history of the club was sort of like shooed away and mm. they weren't really interested in it and it was a second fault. Now it's all encumbersome in, in the club and mm. you go down there, there's a togetherness. I think, looking back, I'd say this summer was the most moaniest I've ever known QPR fans and I can say it, I, they was like on a different level, It's like the end of the world and, but we knew the process that we was going through and the direction we were going to get younger players in and it was going to be a transition yeah. and it was going to be hard but you can't say anything.
0: You and keep hearing that word patience don't you, the managers said it, the owners said it a hell of a lot as well. It's
3: a word that don't you, that's non-existent in football. And I know we're trying to bring it back, the word, but <laughs> it's it is a bit non-existent. It's a bit like VHS tape recorder to these young, and like that's the, what the difference is with yeah, these yeah. fans. That they don't know what you're yeah. going on about with patience. I think but fans, there is a level of it. Required. Yeah, yeah, I think fans think patience like four games. That's the yeah. standard patience. But it, but I think as we said with the fans that come to the games, you, yeah. you, you judge like. Bitterly disappointed at whole. Thought we that's one of the few times we have let the fans down was away at Hull. And I think it was just, it was just one too many games for mm. the lads that have been playing all their minutes. And it was a, a the journey up there was awful for us. And, and we got there, no excuses. But it was normally when we've had a bad result or game, it's been at the end of two or three really are games yeah. our, if you look at our output against like Reading we should have won I thought we were fantastic but we had we had Reading and then we had Norwich where you look at the stats and our running stats it was probably the highest of the season then you go up to uh, to Hull maybe you look back now you get criticised for maybe changing the team we maybe should have freshened it up for that one
0: that brings me on to a bit then because you look at you talk about freshening up five changes made for Sheffield Wednesday and another five for Preston is that with one eye on next season, with one eye on the fact that points are on the board and we're safe? Yeah. What's the... What's a the bit a corporate? bit of both.
3: A bit of both. Some lads have played so many minutes of nearly all the games. It gets to this stage of the season. You can't keep flogging the dead horse. Yeah, Something's going to break. And it was a bit of that. And a, a bit of last year, um, Ollie changed the team a fair bit towards the end. Yeah. But it was for the viewer next season because we was as good as safe. safe. It got a bit... Yeah. Scary towards the end, yeah. but we was so good as safe. But this year we was more than safe, and it worked. For, if you, anyone who comes here at the start of the season, we started really well. Mm-hmm. We had our formation locked down. We had the, our starting eleven, and that was really down to the end of the season. Before looking at players, thinking I've. The ones that were borderline, could they do it or not? Mm-hmm. We make decision early there, and same, we're giving players chance and having a look at stuff.
0: So, talking about formations, and you said that you locked down that formation. It was a three, wasn't it? At the start yeah, it of the was season. a three. We're now back to a four. Does that suggest that it'll be a four next season? I, I think with or,
3: or is it personnel and the timing at the minute? Just, perso- just personnel. We've, we've, we've had a lot of injuries. at When we done the five, it, it was hard, and then we had all our centre backs. Just got blown out the water with injuries and yeah. I think it was six centre backs we had missing. So it's hard to play a back four when you've got no centre backs. You can sort of get away with a three at the back because yeah. the two outside are more full back roles, so that sort of come into play. But no, we got we gotta look down our DNA of how we wanna play one formation and then we have another one to go to because I think in the championship unless you've got the best players, you can't play the same formation every week. There's different teams that have different formations. What did you enjoy playing more in? Did you regularly the play? team, <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> playing full. No, in, in our in our in our days, I'd say ninety five percent of the teams were four four two, and it was yeah, it was perfect because I just had to win the battle against my midfielder, and it was like matchups And yeah. towards the end, we did go to a four three three, which I liked better because I my legs had gone a little bit from running everywhere, so I, I, I sat in I sat in the midfielder and just get the ball all the time. <laughs> so that was good. So yeah, no. I, th- I think it's easier to play a four at the back because most of the lads have grown up that way, playing that way, and yeah. it's easier, and there's less grey areas. But you need the players to do it, and we went through a, a stage in the season where we didn't really have a, a recognised right back mm-hmm. to play every week, and all the centre backs went down, so we didn't have really centre backs. So you had to adapt, and I don't think I think some of the fans realised that. Yeah, they're, they're doing really well with the amount of injuries. To get that amount of injuries during the season and all, none be muscular, really. none. It was all tackles and impact injuries.
2: Mm.
0: On to Brentford, then. Um, a, t- a team that I know you love to beat. Um, <laughs> obviously, their season is very much still all up for grabs. It's pretty much all or nothing for them this weekend. They're four points outside the playoffs. Only a few games remaining now. Will... You and Ollie look to play a more experienced side this weekend as a result of the we're, opposition. And we're we going there
3: to win. And we know the fans, they, they they deserve for us to put the performance away at Brentford. And I think that's the main thing. And I think that was the team that was selected last game was in mind of this game as well. As we said, there was a few players that were on their last legs yeah. and flogging their dead horse. You don't want something to happen. So, yeah, the, the lads know that this is going to be a local derby and we want to go there and perform.
0: What will you say to him then? <laughs> him a,
3: will
0: you show him the picture? I'm well, celebrating the girl? I've let him
3: know the, the history of the game. I'm not probably the most well-liked man in the Brentford area, yeah. which I like. <laughs> so that's fine. I get a bit of abuse from them. But no, I've always liked Brentford. They've been fine. I remember we used to go watch Brentford when it was international weekends for QPR or the, we was too far away. QPR fans used to go to Brentford. I've said before, I, I didn't even know it was a derby. The only time I ever knew QPR Brentford was a derby is when we played them on a Friday night for Mill, live on TV, and they were singing stand-up, If You Hate Rangers. And like all the Mill fans knew I was a Rangers fan, and they'd, they'd literally turn around going, what's that? I went mean, I haven't got a clue. Didn't even know it was a derby, because for me, it was always Brentford, Fulham, and it was QPR Chelsea. that were, were the derbies. So it was only when we started, when we played them... Yeah. I thought, yeah, they're quite serious about this as a derby. I suppose it's how Chelsea feel about QPR. Yeah. No, no disrespect. like We hate them and they're, we, they're an annoyance. We're an annoyance to them and yeah. it's a bit similar to us and Brentford.
0: What, what are you expecting from the game then? Regardless of what you think of Brentford, and you've made your feelings quite clear there. Uh, regardless <laughs> they're, of what no, you they're think a lovely
3: family club. They're, they're really nice okay, middle-sex family club. A, a they're middle fine.
0: middle-sex family club. That could be the title <laughs> of the podcast. But, um, what are you expecting from them? Because D- Dean Smith's done a great job in all seriousness.
3: Yeah, no, uh, I think Dean's a, a fantastic coach, fantastic manager He's done really well. And and on a serious note, what Brentford's done as a football club, I think's excellent. I think uh, they've done really well. They've gone to a B-team system where they've scrapped the academy and they, they seem to sell players on and bring players in. And yeah, like I said, I thought... For what, what they've been doing, they've, they've done excellent and they've been up there and they've played the style of football that they used to, which they've done, they've had years to do it and a lot of clubs have to go down to League One to, to probably do that and most clubs have done it, that have gone down there to restart, rebuild and they can start afresh and I think Brentford done that and they've managed to carry it on through, Not, no great expectations from their fans or anything and they've managed to do it that way, so fair play to them, they've done really well.
1: We're going to obviously take the full allocation. Final message for the Rangers fans who so are going to turn up in the numbers on Saturday. Yeah, go there. Just go there. Be fully supportive behind us. You you know this team. What what
3: we can do. We can be two 0 down and put it back in a la- in injury time. So like, stick with us. Don't leave early. If you do. Will that still? <laughs> will that still be?
0: Um, w- will that be part of the motivation? Because like you say, we're two 0 down and we didn't really for a period lay a glove on them, and then. We somehow clawed our way back in that one, didn't
3: we? Yeah, yeah, we, we did. But I think we've scored the most goals in the last 10 minutes in the league. So the spirit, the fitness of our lads are always there. Look, Sometimes we won't play that well, but we will always give 100% effort. And trust me, the lads will know that this is an important game. And we're going to go out there and give it 100% and give the fans what, what they deserve. <laughs>